Welcome to South Asia Chat, a podcast brought to you by the Institute of South Asian Studies at the National University of Singapore. I'm your host, Ramita Ayer, research analyst at the Institute. Last month, the Indian government announced the resumption of Vaccine Maitri, an ambitious diplomatic effort to export vaccines to India's neighbors and key partners beyond the region. To tell us more about the initiative and the implications of its resumption, we have with us today Dr. Kartik Nachiappan, Research Fellow at ISAS, whose area of focus includes India and global health. Thank you for joining us today, Dr. Nachiappan. Thank you so much for having me. India's Vaccine Maitri initiative was first launched in January 2021, but it was quickly suspended in April. Can you give us a timeline of what happened between January and April this year? Uh, so yeah, in, in early 2021, as you mentioned, India commenced its um, ambitious uh, vaccine diplomacy initiative uh, or Vaccine Maitri that has now shipped uh, around 65 million uh, doses of, of Covaxin and Covishield uh, that were produced internally in India to countries all over the world. Uh, from January to mid-March, um, if you remember, not more than a few days passed uh, between major va- vaccine shipments leaving India on different flights. Uh, this was done with much fanfare, um, but it also received some uh, criticism. A lot of people questioned um, why the government was shipping much needed vaccines abroad when Indians uh, were still getting COVID and, and were still dying. Uh, India's vaccine needs uh, were not fulfilled either but the government was uh, focused on sending these shipments uh, abroad, both commercially uh, and as donations. Uh, And I I suspect the government decided to pursue um, vaccine Maitri for two reasons. First, they they had, I mean, they they thought they had space to uh, donate and sell vaccines abroad, uh, even though cases were rising and vaccinations were quite slow and number of cases uh, small, relatively small. Um, And this was probably because the Serum Institute was producing vaccines at a faster rate uh, than India's inoculation program could then handle, which left extras for both donations and exports. So there was a calculation made then that the cases uh, would not rise exponentially through 2021. and that production will only increase, and that both objectives, internal immunization and external vaccine shipments could then go ahead. And second, uh, the calculus was probably that many lower and middle income countries had no real alternative uh, other than India to get affordable and accessible vaccines, just as uh, the pandemic was beginning to accelerate with new variants, um, especially Delta. Many countries across the world, poorer ones in particular, were counting on India uh, to deliver vaccines, particularly just as vaccine nationalism was heating up across the world, with Western countries buying up stocks well in advance. Um, obviously, this situation became untenable um, as cases, COVID cases, skyrocketed in India from April onward. Um, and it became clear then that vaccines. Uh, and their administration domestically was the only pathway to reduce the effects of the pandemic and eventually conquer it. Uh, I think the pandemic caught up with India uh, in early 2021 and its vaccine diplomacy. 
So what was the impact of the suspension of the initiative, both in terms of delivery as well as India's relations with its partners? So it caused a lot of problems for a lot of countries, um, especially lower and middle income countries that relied on India's low cost vaccines that could be stored without uh, too much refrigeration. Now remember both Moderna and Pfizer, uh, their vaccines were not necessarily affordable for most countries in the world. Uh, and their storage was a lot more onerous than the vaccines that India had produced. Um, so which made Indian vaccines far more attractive for uh, the global South. Um, if you take a couple of countries just in the region um, and see the impact there, Nepal, for example, has had to halt its vaccination campaign. Uh, it was heavily reliant on doses uh, of the AstraZeneca vaccine that was made at the Serum Institute. Um, and with its national stockpile running low in early 2021, uh, Nepal stopped administering vaccines in early March. Uh, Nepal actually received uh, a, a donation of around a million doses from the Indian government and had, if I recall, a, 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 um, already paid nearly 80% uh, of the price for the next 2 million doses, but they didn't obviously get that. Uh, in terms of what the effect had on uh, uh, India-Nepal relations, um, I think uh, relations were beginning to thaw between India and Nepal after a few problematic years. And vaccines were initially thought of as a way to normalize ties. Um, and this was not just a foreign policy issue for India. It was also a domestic one since informally, uh, people um, frequently crossed the border from Nepal to India. Um, and so being unvaccinated was, out, was also a, a uh, risk uh, given that that, that COVID could actually spread faster uh, with an open border. Uh, but that obviously didn't happen. Right? Um, if you look at another country in, in South Asia, uh, Sri Lanka, which was also very badly affected early on uh, from COVID, um, and with relations between India and Sri Lanka were not really in the best of terms over the last few years. And so, co and, and so vaccines were probably you know, one way through which to engineer some sort of a uh, rapprochement in the relationship uh, ever since Kotabaya took um, office uh, af after the elections. But I mean, since, 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 since Kotabaya has uh, come to office, I think Delhi has struggled uh, in many ways to straighten relations with Sri Lanka, particularly to get the Sri Lankan government uh, to commit to a deal that his predecessor signed to complete a project uh, and the Colombo port that was partly developed by India. Um, now at that time, while large Chinese projects continued, uh, the Rajapaksha government opened this particular Indian deal for further review uh, to the chagrin of the Indian government. So hoping to stress the importance of this particular Colombo project, uh, India dispatched nearly 500,000 uh, vaccine doses to Sri Lanka in early 2021. Uh, Sri Lanka had also uh, placed a purchase order for about 18 million doses thereafter from the Serum Institute. Um, and after the deal and after the initial Indian shipment, uh, the Indian media treated both, both these accomplishments as a diplomatic victory. Uh, and it seemed sort of somewhat apparent then that uh, Sri Lanka would largely depend on India uh, for vaccines going ahead. But just then, uh, the Sri Lankan government also received another gift 
of vaccines from China, uh, a pledge to donate about uh, 300,000 doses just at the time when the Indian government sent its own shipments. So th these dueling donations are, are just a part of, I think, a much larger diplomatic dance that's unfolding in South Asia. Uh, and vaccines have come to affect that in a um, important but also different way. Um, so what happened after that uh, between India and Sri Lanka, um, the Rajapaksha cabinet, sorry, what happened after the Indian government donated vaccines and then the Chinese government also followed with vaccines. Uh, the Rajapaksha cabinet decided that, um, that Sri Lanka was developing the Colombo terminal port on its own, pushing India out of, its, out, out, out of the project. So vaccines didn't really have much of a um, diplomatic effect on India-Sri Lanka relations. So these are just two countries in South Asia if you look um, on, on how vaccines are or could affect not just uh, how specific countries are tackling COVID, uh, but also the broader relationship that India has with these countries. Um, I think besides these two countries, it's also important to uh, grasp the importance or the impact of India's uh, vaccine suspension on COVAX, the multilateral vaccine facility. Um, nearly three quarters of the initial doses are sent from COVAX in early 2021 to lower and middle income countries uh, came from a production center in India. Uh, Gavi, which um, had been one of the uh, founding partners of COVAX, um, has had a long standing partnership with the Serum Institute uh, and had initially signed an agreement for it to supply, uh, to supply COVAX with 1 billion doses. Um, more than 100 million were due before May 2021 uh, from the Serum Institute to COVAX for lower and middle income countries. Uh, and all these doses were affected since India, because of the second wave, could not ship them out. Um, and so there, there, there's been a larger multilateral effect as well um, um, from the suspension on, of India's vaccine May 3. And, um, and Gavi has been not been able not been able to successfully get additional vaccines from other countries, uh, given their given that they had really relied greatly on the Serum Institute, in particular, to provide those supplies. Uh, but there is hope now that since the suspension has been lifted, that the Serum Institute would hopefully deliver its fair share of vaccines to COVAX as well. You briefly mentioned China's vaccine donations to Sri Lanka, uh, but they've engaged in aggressive vaccine diplomacy in other countries uh, in the region and beyond as well. In what ways uh, is this different or similar to India's efforts? So I think there are a lot of differences. And more often when we read about India and China's vaccine diplomacy through the media or, or, or reporting, um, they're often presented as, as, as similar, but they are not actually very similar. There, there are quite a few uh, differences here. Um, the first difference is how they characterize it. China has denied that it's engaging in vaccine diplomacy. And it says, and it has repeatedly said that it is supplying vaccine aid. Uh, and China considers its vaccines um, as a global public good. Right? So it's not something that it's doing uh, to the benefit of Chinese foreign policy, but to the benefit of global health writ large. 
um, I think regardless of what China calls it, um, it's no doubt that uh, the Chinese government has made a dent globally through its vaccine exports. Um, the, the Chinese Ministry of Foreign Affairs announced this week that the official um, the official count is that the Chinese government had delivered around 1 billion um, vaccine doses to more than 100 countries uh, during the pandemic, which is which is quite a large number compared to uh, not just India, but a lot of the other countries. Um, whereas for India, you know, I think that the diplomatic aspects have been has been have been quite a, have been emphasized um, relative to the impact of vaccines on global health as a whole. Um, and, and here we can actually we can actually uh, we need to uh, we, we need to dig deeper and, and understand why that is right. Uh, is it because India has 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 had problems in its neighborhood and in other parts of the world, and it's looking at improving its relations with many countries through vaccines, possibly, um, um, which is why maybe it's, it's, it's emphasis on the diplomatic aspects of vaccines have been quite, quite uh, prevalent. Uh, I, but I think the vaccines also enhances India's uh, role as a reliable uh, crisis responder and as a solutions provider uh, to countries within its own neighborhood uh, going ahead. And that's something that you know, India has not really played much of a role of in the recent past, you know, is that of being a public goods provider within the region. And vaccines clearly uh, allowed themselves to, uh, has, have allowed India to, to undertake that role. So, so one difference is how each country um, has characterized it. Um, another clear difference is efficacy and foundation. Uh, I think Chinese vaccines uh, do work, but they work less effectively and efficiently uh, than the vaccines that are produced uh, in India and a lot of the uh, other Western countries. Um, of the vaccines that are, that, are, that are developed in China, the WHO calls uh, Sinovac uh, doses 51% effective against COVID infections and Sinopharm around 79% effective uh, so this is clearly not at the range at which some of the other mRNA vaccines are, right? Um, so that's 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 one that's another difference. Uh, another difference is the, that the process through which vaccines are developed and distributed to other countries. Um, so China has a top-down enterprise with a lot of the SOEs at the forefront, with the government leading. Uh, that can cut deals um, with other countries on vaccines without much due process or without uh, thinking too much uh, about the commercial and administrative wranglings. Um, whereas in India, the, uh, the, the private pharma companies like the Serum Institute have, have been playing much more of a um, leading role in deciding the terms and conditions uh, under which um, vaccines are um, especially sold to other countries and how they're distributed. So they have a they have a much greater role in India's own vaccine apparatus uh, than the vaccine uh, than than the pharma companies in China. Uh, so that's another difference. I think geographically their vaccine exports also differ. So if you look at it in Asia, China has been busy uh, shipping vaccines much closer to home. That's 
largely in Southeast Asia. Uh, nine out of the 10 um, ASEAN countries are on track to receive and use Chinese vaccines. Uh, so for, for instance, Brunei, Cambodia, Laos, Myanmar, um, Philippines, Indonesia, Malaysia, and Singapore um, have all uh, either bought or received Chinese vaccines and some have uh, used them uh, predominantly or, or so, and, and some to a, to a lesser extent. Um, whereas for India, um, it's geographically, it's a lot more spread out. South Asia is obviously one clear focus, but some of the other countries in, in Africa, in Latin America, in Central America um, have all received um, Indian vaccines. So geographically, there is a difference um, there as well. Um, yeah, so there are a lot of there are a lot more differences than there are, I think, similarities. Uh, whereas the similarities, wherever uh, whereas the media, as I mentioned, we all often present themselves as present both their efforts as somewhat similar, but they're not. At the Quad Leaders Summit in September, uh, U.S. President Biden announced that the Quad Vaccine Partnership is on track to achieve its production targets. Uh, what do you make of this commitment to produce an additional 1 billion doses in India, especially given that India's contribution in terms of vaccine doses has so far been the lowest among the four partner countries? And also, what, what are the likely regional implications of the Quad's focus on vaccines? Yeah, so in, as you mentioned, in April 2021, an, an agreement was signed with, between the US and three of its um, Indo-Pacific uh, partners, Australia, Japan, and India. Uh, to produce up to 1 billion COVID-19 vaccines by the end of 2022, um, largely to supply to other Asian countries uh, in Southeast Asia and South Asia. Uh, I think leading up to that, India had urged uh, its quad partners to invest in its vaccine production capacity um, in an attempt um, to counter China's um, widening vaccine diplomacy, particularly in Southeast Asia. Um, and I think this was one effort uh, to, to do that. Uh, but I think independent of China, there was also a need for the Quad to, uh, to, to focus their energies and efforts um, on vaccines to promote uh, technology transfer of safe and effective vaccines uh, in other parts of the world, um, especially mm -hmm. mRNA vaccines. Uh, and to strengthen the manufacturing capacity uh, in other parts of Asia to, to meet rising needs uh, just as COVID was spreading. Um, so even operationally, there was, there was a need to uh, decentralize vaccine production and to share the, uh, the, the technologies of that effort um, in, an, in an open and transparent manner. Uh, and that, that was one big more, um, more motivation behind the Quad's focus on vaccine as well. Um, I think there was, a, there, was a, there, was a, there was a clear reflection also that COVID-19 was still here and would still be here for the next few years. So it was important to uh, diversify production and decentralize it in an effective and efficient manner such that a lot of countries not reliant on one or two uh, suppliers going ahead as we've seen from India's own experience this year when the second wave hit. But, but six months later, from that April 2021 announcement, 
I think the sun has yet to rise on the clockwise vaccine efforts. I think India's continued restrictions on vaccine exports have all but choked off its ability to um, deliver vaccines uh, in Southeast Asia, but also in other, in other parts of the world. Um, the US, meanwhile, has sent very small amounts of uh, vaccine donations uh, to the Indo-Pacific specifically. Um, so Vietnam has received a few million doses. Th th uh, Thailand received a couple of million. Uh, Cambodia and Laos have also received a million or so. Uh, Japan has tried to fill the gap here, donating a few million doses, uh, while Australia, given its own uh, slow vaccination, domestic vaccination efforts, have not has not really contributed much um, by way of donation. So the Quad's individual efforts here uh, are, are still quite measly compared um, to their collective goal. Uh, and have not really come close to matching China's uh, vaccine campaign so far. Um, and, I, and I think India's lifting of its export restrictions um, could help kickstart this campaign. Uh, I think that that move was clearly a welcome relief to the Biden administration that's um, locked up its own vaccine stockpile uh, of more than 100 million doses. Um, for a potential booster shot campaign at home. So the quad really has, uh, has, has really, it has to really get going, um, both on the production side uh, and on the delivery side, if they're going to make a dent anytime soon, especially before 2022. Uh, moving forward with the resumption of the Vaccine Maitri initiative, uh, do you think that India still has an opportunity to improve goodwill among its neighbors and other key partners? Or like you mentioned, does India have the opportunity to become the reliable public goods provider in the region? And will India's domestic vaccination rates allow for success of the initiative this time? I think many countries in South and Southeast Asia will be hoping that India can step up, um, especially given the low rates of vaccinations across both South and Southeast Asia. Um, while around 54% of the Indian population um, has received at least one dose, that figure is much lower in other parts of South Asia. Um, so only 24% in Nepal, for example, have received a single dose. Um, and it's much lesser in the other countries, Bangladesh uh, and Pakistan, where less than, I think, 15% have, have have received a single dose. Uh, so clearly the opportunity is there for India to play a bigger role, um, especially in shipping vaccines. While the Modi government has promised to uh, vaccinate all Indians by the end of the year, um, only 25% have been fully vaccinated so far. Uh, and experts do, I think, believe that um, India will need to at least administer or, or produce more than, sorry, produce and administer at least 10 million doses a day to achieve that target, which the government had set out. Um, and that would mean at least develop, at least producing 300 million doses a month, uh, far beyond what India has been able to produce so far, because the monthly output of the Serum Institute right now is only around 200 million. So the production demands to complete domestic inoculation in India are still quite steep. I think that would be the first priority uh, going ahead. 
And I think India will also def will also have to find a balance between uh, its domestic vaccination efforts that I just mentioned and its vaccine exports, which uh, are which will be required given the rate of vaccinations across Asia, in particular. I think the more India delays these exports, the more likely it will lose goodwill. Um, but that risk equally also applies, perhaps more seriously. Um, if India promises doses to its neighbors uh, and then reneges for want of supply at home. So that balance has to be um, carefully managed going forward. Um, but I think this is not India's job alone, right? And high income countries um, have also pledged to share close to 2 billion doses with low income countries, but so far only about 15% of them of these jabs have been sent, uh, which is a shockingly low number. Um, the resumption of vaccine exports from India from October onward cannot be another excuse for um, Western countries, for these uh, advanced industrialized countries who already have high vaccination rates uh, with all, some already running booster campaigns to further delay um, supplying doses to low-income countries and thereby prolonging the pandemic even longer. Uh, so India clearly has a responsibility given its own capacity at home to produce both Covishield and COVAX. But I think it's equally uh, the responsibility of other high-income countries to, to, to share more of their doses going ahead to ensure that the vaccination rates increase across the developing world. Thank you for sharing your insights today, Dr. Natyapan. Thank you. You were listening to South Asia Chat. To know more about our work, visit us at isas.nus.edu.sg. You can also follow our social media pages on LinkedIn, Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. Yeah.